Hey everybody, welcome back. I hope you're well. I wanted to go over, um, you know, we, we don't really do book reviews because that ends up being Lush and Hara. Um, so people are really sensitive to that. But I do think there's lots and lots of Swarm that are amazing. And I wanted to go through um, the base Halevi on Ava Sisral, put out by Art Scroll, Rav David Sutton. And Rav David Sutton is actually a um, son-in-law of Renaissance Sherman. And he's a Rav in Brooklyn. And this book was actually written by um, Rav, da Rav David Sutton, and it was um, edited by his father-in-law. So call it to him for uh, getting that liter literary help. And I know it takes a lot to be edited, especially to be critiqued by a father-in-law. But it's really a phenomenal safer. And I'm a big fan of his works, especially um, I, I got to know him uh, through the um, the first book, book that he put out by the base lady, which was on Bitachon, which I thought was phenomenally done. And um, what I would say about the safer is that it has awesome stories. Um, at first, when I first started, to be honest, even though I, I said I won't do a book review, um, I, I thought the topic was amazing, and you know, talking about obviously Israel is very, very important, and I'll share with you about uh, 12 or so of my favorite tidbits in here and a couple of my own horrors, but um, I thought that it was, at first, I, I was a little bit taken aback that, okay, what's the point of having all these footnotes and extrapolating in every single word? that basically if he wrote like these essays are not really that long it, it shouldn't be a 250 page book but then i actually got the hang of it that there's actually very good explanations in the footnotes um and sometimes it was a little bit long um but uh, overall it was really nice the insights for, on, on the chapters by the way are really phenomenal stories some very fascinating stuff especially or david sutton's own experience with Dolan, which was I, I very much appreciated but uh, art scroll if you're listening uh the print was too small meaning just because it was an index and a footnote in the back um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of it, and I get the book probably would have been another 50 pages longer, but it was too small in the eyes, and I don't know why you did that exactly on the inside part. You kind of made it like it's a footnote, but it's really its own thing. <clears throat> so that would be my only critique on that. So it was a little hard harder to read because normally it's larger. But in the back section where they went by Yom Tovim, that was very enjoyable, and Gedolim stories is always am amazing. I would have liked to see a little bit more citation of other cross referencing because our scroll does have a lot of uh, repeat in their stories there. But um, again, a lot of the stories as my Rebbe Rosh's Zelda Grubenstein, that's all always told us. These stories are not meant to be read once, but they're meant to be internalized. So, of course, I, I personally didn't mind the repeat. All right, let me go through a couple of interesting points. Overall, I really, the Safer really, really inspired me to work on Abbas Israel, which is why I picked up to begin with. And I really, really highly recommend that part. Um, and it's an amazing saver. A very, there are a lot of very beautiful Ha'aras and a lot of Bikiyas on David Sutton's part, which I was very, very impressed by. Very beautiful Ha'ara um, in Tehillim. Uh, in the in the uh, Shir Hamalos is so one of them in um, capital one thirty three. So it says So the when Moshe anointed um, Aaron, so it went down the uh, the oil was put on his beard. And my Rebbe, um, Reb Nachum Lansky, Shlita of Mary Israel, he always points out, Shame the Grah, that the only beard that's mentioned about a, about a person, all of Tanakh, is this one. It's a Khan Aaron, the beard of Aaron. But there's something very strange about this. Um, Pasik, which is that why does it say Yored al Hazakan on the old, on either, depending how you read it, on the beard? Whose beard? Zakan Aaron, the beard of Aaron. So other people read it as Zakan means the older person of and the beard of Aaron. But either way, so the Medrash asks, he brings down, why does it say beard twice? The Medrash says such a beautiful shot, which is really the essence of obviously Israel. It says that when Aaron was anointed as Kohen Gadol, we know that Moshe was concerned about taking the position to take the Jews out because he was afraid that Aaron would be jealous and I have, I have an older brother. And you see the sensitivity and love between the two brothers. And um, Hashem says to him, you're wrong. We're all of a son of Malibu. He's going to be happy. And here, Moshe was so happy for Aaron that when the uh, 
oil was anointing, says the Medrash, when it was being poured on Aaron's beard, it was as if it was being poured on Moshe's beard. Now, let's just zoom out for a second. We know from Rechaim Kanievsky's Zatzal and many other Gedolim that, based on based on Zohar, that there's a big Indian to grow a beard. And it's very, very important. It's Hadras Panim, etc., etc. I Rav Yochan and the Gemara didn't have it. Whatever it is, it's a discussion. But the bottom line is that <laughs> this is not a push for beards, don't worry. Um, there is a big Indian for beards. Of course, the Ramchal held that it was only in Eretz Yisrael and not in Chutzlaretz, but many people disagreed with him. That's one of the one of the many things that put him in Cherem. Uh, there are many other things as well, um, probably incorrectly, but either way. Um, so why does it say beard twice? Because Moshe and Aaron obviously had beards. And um, the shot is that he mamish felt that it was as if it was in his own beard. That's a phenomenal thing to watch the success of your brother and to feel that you're the one who's being anointed. That's an amazing thing. It's interesting in psychology. This was invented. This was discovered in the 90s called mirror neurons. Mirror neurons are when something good happens to you. I see it as if it's happening to me. And there was a study, the way that it was discovered, I believe it was in an interesting country like Finland or something. Um, I forgot the exact details, but they, but one scientist, they were hooking up monkeys to MRIs and reading their brain scans. And during a break time, one of the scientists was eating uh, an ice cream and the monkey was watching him and he was still connected to the wires. He hadn't been disattached. And they noticed that his the monkey's brain was lighting up as if he was eating the as if he himself was eating the ice cream. And what they discovered was mirror neurons that you literally could vicariously live through other people, which actually explains why we like boxing and why we like sports matches and why we like movies, etc. because we're literally living vicariously through other people. Really, really fascinating. But there's an element of compassion that's a beautiful compassion that we could see from other people that we can connect with them. Um, this second Ha'ara, that Medrash was worth reading the entire book just for that, in my opinion. Phenomenal, phenomenal Medrash. This uh, Ha'ara is on page 50. This was also, this is probably my favorite Ha'ara in the entire Sefer. He brings down from the Chasav Sofer, the song of the Chasam Sofer. Why is it that Birchas Konim is said in Lashin Yachid, Yivracha Hashem V'yishmaracha? Um, why is it that the Pasuk says, um, Hashem should bless you, singular. It should say, Yirechachem Hashem V'yishmarachem. It should be plural. You're talking to Klach Yisrael. Yor Hashem Barav Eilecha. Eilecha to him, to one person, to you, one? No, to Eilechem. To you. He says a beautiful shot. Just like when Kalah Yisrael, where they got to um, Har Sinai, and it was Vayichan Shem Yisrael Neged Ahar, it was Kishachad, Vlevachad. It doesn't say Vayachanu, they camped, they. It says Vayichan, that's one person, he camped. What is he camped? That's the unity of Kalah Yisrael. So the bracha of Birchas Kodim says a Kasav Sofer, we're only Zochet to that, to the to the um, Shalom, that Hashem is blessing us when we are all Kishachad, Vlevachad. And that's a phenomenal, phenomenal point. Um, all right, then there's another shot which I found very, very fascinating. It's on page 66 that, um, here it is. The <clears throat> Beis Halevi, it, it ties in as well. Beis Halevi is talking about that um, Hashem sent someone into Gullus. And he brings down this shot from the Arve Nachal that a sin that's so hidden that the sinner doesn't recognize it. The situation is so dire that we, all we could do is daven to Hashem that he should open his eyes to do tshuva. And Rev. Eliezer Harari, he brings down, says that it says in Shulchan Aruch that if someone's child is holding muksa on Shabbos, he's not allowed to pick up that child. Uh, I'll, I'll come back to that other point, by the way, about the hidden part, which is... Uh, actually, let me explain it now. I don't want to skip it. Basically, what he says is that is that um, there are sometimes... Actually, I'll explain it later. Skip that. <laughs> okay. Um, I try not to edit because otherwise you just drive yourself nuts. So it says in Arachim, um 308... One, that if a child is holding a muksa item on Shabbos, you're not allowed to pick up that child, like, for example, a rock, unless you put, until he puts down the rock. However, it says if he has gagum, based on the Gemara in Shabbos, he says if that kid really has an emotional attachment and needs his mother or father, um, then um, then we're allowed to pick up that child, because otherwise, you know, he, he's in emotional danger. 
which is very fascinating from a psychological standpoint as well. So what he says is that so too, the Rebbein looks at us the same way, that we hold muksa, we hold all types of bad things in our hands, but if we have a, a desire to connect to Hashem, then Hashem says, I'll take you. I'll pick you up and I'll take you even, even with the bad things that you're doing, which I think is a phenomenal episode. Okay, next is on page 76. I found this to be very, very fascinating as well. Um, and that is that the he brings down from a Zohar that when a person is getting re- musr, so that causes us pain when we get rebuked. And that in itself is a kapara. And that's a phenomenal thing to think about because sometimes we're afraid to rebuke people and sometimes we don't like getting rebuked because it hurts. But the truth is that that pain of the rebuke is actually a kapara for what we did wrong and it actually starts the process of forgiveness, which is a phenomenal episode. Um, page 101, there's a famous story that Rishol Salanter was traveling by train and he was sitting in a smoking car and don't make any references from this because back then they literally thought that it was healthy for you and the young man was in the car, he started to complain about the stench of the smoke and obviously the other passengers were upset, what are you doing? I mean, you're in a smoking car, if you don't like it, go move. But Rishol Salanter was a tremendous mensch, so he put out his cigarette and he opened up the window to get rid of the fumes and then the man closed the window and, and and yelled at him for opening it. So this guy, this this young man, had a lot of chutzpah. Obviously, didn't know he was dealing with um, one of the Gedolei Hadar. And um, when he got to Vilna, he was horrified to realize that this was Rishol Slanter. So um, it's a whole fascinating story. But um, basically, this man was looking for. Um, so Rishol Slanter said to him, "Don't worry. People get edgy when they tra- when they travel. I, I forgive you. Don't worry." So the young man said that he wanted to become a shochet, and he was looking from a to get a uh, Kabbalah, which is the way you get become Shkita, from a distinguished Vilna Rav. So Rishol Salantra said to him, don't worry, my son-in-law is a Rav in Vilna. Rest up, and tomorrow we'll test you. So the next day, um, during the test, this person failed miserably. So I didn't. But so you would think that Rishol Salantra would say, look, he has bad meters, he's not a good person, and clearly I, I, I've done my job, I forgave him, it's bad enough. But no, he helped him. And he, Mamish helped him get tutors and arranged to help him make up, get the exam and got, and, and introduce him to other uh, Rabbanim in Vilna. And he really helped this person to get him a job as a showcase. So what's going on? So before Rosal Salanter left, this man begged him for forgiveness and said to him, I'm so sorry for everything I did to you, but I just want to understand, um, how, you know, how did you forgive my arrogance on the train? So Rosal Salanter said to him, it's easy. It's easy to say I forgive you, but deep down, Maybe I really was bearing a grudge. So therefore, I wanted to help you out to make sure that I wasn't bearing any grudge against you. And I love you, my fellow Yid, and I wanted to help you. And this is a tremendous thing because it really changes people. Now, I'm not saying that you need to help people that hurt you. But I think that Rishol Salanter understood that this man was just upset. And he was able to find a place in his life where he could love him. On page 105, he brings a comical story. There are two shuls, a wealthy one and a poor one. The wealthy one celebrated Simchas Torah with wine, liquor, and all types of things, but the poor shul couldn't afford anything of that sort. Its only beverage was water. One year, the clever people of the poor synagogue came together and hit upon a great idea. If each person brought in a little bit of wine from his own personal kiddish each week and poured the wine into the community barrel, they'd be able to accumulate enough wine to celebrate its own store. So it was. They saved up. A day arrived. Everyone was so excited to open the barrel. But what did they find? Lo and, dis- lo and behold, they discovered it was full of water. No one could believe it. What had gone wrong? Eventually, they realized what happened. Each person was a donor, and they said, well, if I just bring a little bit of, wine, of water, no one else will notice. But then when the entire shul does that, it doesn't work. And so, obviously, Israel is something that everybody talks about, he says, but few people actually put in the effort to make it happen. Now, you might say that that's not a, a display of obviously Israel, but it really is, because it, it's good to call it out and to recognize that we, we have a lot. We have a lot that we have to go.
we have a lot that we have to do. Page 129, he talks about the Moraglim, um, sorry, the, the brothers being uh, of Yosef being accused of being Moraglim. And there's a Balaturim there that says that you literally are, are spies because in the future, um, the, the fact that Yeshua was a descendant of Moshe, I'm sorry, of Yosef, he did not participate as part of the Moraglim. So he was saying that your descendants are the problem. And then Yehuda respond, no, we're not. Because Kalev also was not. And Chida quotes Rav Shlomo Astruk Rishon that the reason Moshe Rabbeinu prayed for Yeshua was because he was actually afraid the spies might try to kill him. So this is a this is an exact repetition of a sin of Yosef's brothers who at first uh, wanted to kill him. And the Miraglim, the Gilgulim, of the Twelve Shvatim returned to this world. Um, they were sent to, to rectify their sin of selling Yosef. And um, very, very fascinating. Okay, so uh, there, there's a lot more there, but just, you know, you see that Sinaskinam was one of the huge causes of, of this problem. Um, next is page 132, by the way. The Rambam in Mordevuchim quotes a famous uh, philosopher, Greek philosopher, Alexander Ephrodisi, who gives three reasons why disputes and continue. Number one is people want to win, so they think they're right and they don't want to hear anything else, which hasn't changed in in thousands of years, hundreds of years since he wrote that. Uh, the topic is complex, is number two, and also sometimes people lack understanding or intelligence to understand. And Ramam adds one more thing, that people become in the habit of fighting, which is just such a powerful thing if you think about it. You know, things have not changed since a thousand years ago, over a thousand years ago when that was written. Um, there's a very fascinating story on page 156 that Rav Yaakov Galinsky talks about that there's a famous medrash that Yaakov, um, when he came into his father, his father smelled, when he was coming to take the brachas, his father smelled reach begadav, and it says reach bogdav. And there's a story of Yosef Meshisa, who entered the base of Megdash. And um, he was a real sinner, but he, he repented um, when the Romans forced him to go inside. And he said that he would bring out the menorah, etc. But then he refused to go back in again. There's a famous vart from the Panama Jerov. Ayin Sham, I'm not going to go through all of it, but basically Rav Yaakov Galinsky says, why is Begadav referred to as the Bogdav, the, the rebels? And he says, because the answer is because every Jew in his essence is an amazing person on the inside, and it's only the external things that make him imperfect, and that's Bogdav. Now, I said I was going to come back to this, but basically the um, the Beis Alibi says a very gewaldic shot, which is phenomenal and scary, and it's from the um, it's based on the Rabbeinu Yonah, that again, the footnote brings down very, very well, that basically, um, what's so bad about Sinaskinam that the base of Minish was destroyed? So he says that it's because in Avera, Rabbeinu Yonah says that in Avera, that people don't even know that they did wrong, you can never repent. He says a murderer, Rahman al he murdered someone, but he still feels bad, so at least he gets a partial kapara because he feels bad. But Sinaskinam, the person justifies himself 100%. So says Rabbeinu Yonah, that's why it's such a terrible thing, because it literally was not even described, which is a phenomenally scary thing. Um... Again, in the back, they go through around the year with Abbas Yisrael, which I thought was phenomenal. It goes through all the Yom Tovim and Hanukkah. And it talks about how in Hanukkah, there are uh, many attributes of mercy on, um, there. And the Benish Chai, they quote, is that each day of Hanukkah, there's a different one of the uh, Yugimel Midos that are aroused. And on the first day is Kel. Now, if you look here, I think there's a mistake because if you go through Yugimel Midos, this doesn't actually line up because it's really Hashem Hashem and then Kale. But anyway, he basically brings down that the eighth day of Hanukkah is called Notzer Chesed. Hashem is preserving his kindness for the 2,000 generations. 
and that on that last day are Nichol, all the other ones, just like the Nassim's Karbanos of the eighth day, we do Vizos Hanukkah, we read everything else. Um, and he basically brings down from the Shlah, and it's very Kabbalah, that when we make the Halig Ner Shel Hanukkah, that bracha spells out Nachal, that everyone has a Chilek in, in Hashem, and also their notes are Chesed La'alafim. And so that's another Vart. He also brings down that, that one of the reasons that there's a, there's a minute to give charity um, on Hanukkah Gelt to poor people on Hanukkah because it's a time of, of generosity. Ayin Shem, very interesting, pages 166 and onward. Um, sorry, that probably wasn't so coherent. Um, this is a famous story about Rishach that I've seen in many places, but it's a phenomenal story that Ricky Vager was in awe of Rav Yaakov Lobenbrom of Lisa, who's, they were contemporaries, but the Nesivus Amishbat was a Go-Nazir as well. And they were together traveling for whatever reason, and they entered another town, and in Shul, the Gabai called up Ricky Vager to get the first Aliyah um, that was available. And as soon as Ricky Vager heard his name, he thought for sure that, that the Nesivus Amishbat should have been called first, and he fainted on the spot. Why did he faint? Because he thought it was a lack of respect to Rav Yaakov of Lisa um, that he should get an aliyah before him. So the Rav Yaakov of Lisa understood exactly what happened. So he, the Nesivas ran over to Ricky Vega and whispered in his ear, don't worry, it's not Hashivas. It's just you have a larger kehillah, so they wanted to respect your kehillah. And Ricky Vega was revived. So again, Rashach's point about this story is that you see how two Gedolim have tremendous love and respect for each other. There's an awesome story on page 208 about the Beis Halevi reviving someone who was dying, Ayin Shum. Um, it's really, really Kadai to go through that story about how he was traveling and he found out about a Jew who was in distress and he literally spent the entire day and days with him nursing him back to health, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal thing. Um, the there's, This is also a famous story on page 211 that the Panamah Jarav of Yosef Shlomo Kahneman was a giant, and he found the Panamah Yeshiva in Eretz and unfortunately he lost his wife and most of his kids in, in the Holocaust. Originally he was a Talmud of Nevardic Yeshiva, but then one day while he was traveling back to Nevardic, he wanted to stop by the Galadar, the Chavetz Chaim's house. And when he came to the door, the Chavetz Chaim's wife said, I'm sorry, he's not available at this moment, you can wait, but he'll be ready soon. All of a sudden, Rav Kahneman heard these frightening cries, and the Chavetz Chaim's wife said, don't worry, don't worry, he, everything's okay. My, my husband's just davening for someone in pain. So, so um, the Panam Jarav assumed that, uh, that it must be someone who was very ill. So he said, is everything okay? So she said, yeah, uh, there's a woman who's in labor and she's having trouble. And my husband just found out about it. So he said, oh, is that a relative of yours? He figured if you're such shrieking and piercing cries. She said, no, no, it's, we, don't, we don't know who this person is. It's just someone that lives in town. So he said, wow, if a Chavetz Chaim is... is, is um, piercing the heavens with those deep cries that he cares about someone so much, this is someone I want to be a, a Talmud of. And he became his Talmud Buvak, and he actually carried on the legacy of his of his Rebbe in so many ways. There's actually a famous story printed in the Chavetz Chaim Al-Torah, Parshas Bikates, that literally Chavetz Chaim gave over the Hanhaga of Kal Yisrael to the Panam Jarav. He actually called the Panam Jarav and Rebbe Hanan and said, tonight I'm going to reveal to you secrets that you need to be know. And that night when they both showed up, um, he told Rohan Wasserman, I'm, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. It's not relevant to you, which is really, really eerie because Rohan was murdered by the Nazis and um, the Panavajarov actually escaped. Anyway, so very, very eerie and scary. And then if you look on page 212, is a very, very famous story about Chavetz Chaim covering up his 40 days of fasting in order to help somebody with a terrible illness. Very, very famous story, um, which I will leave you to go learn over there. Um... Then there's another famous story from um, on page 219 about Rav Arnold Steinman, about this boy who went off the derech, and his father said, could you come to the shir with me? And he said, who is it? He said, Rav Arnold Steinman. He said, wow, amazing. I, I remember when I was a kid um, getting a candy from him, even though I couldn't answer the question. And then he 
uh, rekindled that um, connection, and this is a phenomenal thing. Steinman looked at him and said to him, "How long has it been since you stopped keeping Shabbos?" Because he started sharing with him his journey, and he told and he told Steinman two years. And during that time, said Steinman, "Did you ever have a feeling that you wanted to do tshuva?" "Yes," he said, "about four times." "How long did they each last?" Steinman asked him, "About ten minutes each." "Wow," he said, "that means forty minutes during the last two years you were on the level of a bal tshuva." And it says that a place of bal tshuva stands, even the purely righteous don't stand. I'm jealous of you. Have a good Shabbos. Such phenomenal words, and this brought this boy back, and he. Got rid of his non-Jewish girlfriend, etc., etc., etc. It's a phenomenal story. There's an amazing story of the Vision Sarebbe um, on page 225. And I'm sorry, I, I usually like speak it out more, but I feel like if you want to read the book, it's there. I shared a couple of interesting artists. Overall, I think it's a phenomenal safer. And Artscroll always does a great job bringing out very, very good quality stuff. And I hope you enjoy.